2: We are live.
1: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. Very happy to be with you again. I am Sky Guasco, the host of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Of course, my co-host, who you all know and love, Lucas Kaser, also in the place. We are very, very happy to, once again, if you missed our first episode with the Landry Football Network yesterday, we are on a new network today, which is... Very, very exciting. I'm Sky. Lucas is with me. We are the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. We super appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to all follow us on Twitch. You can follow us on Twitch at TV slash Chris Landry Football. Excuse me. You can also find all the networks on LandryFootball.com. We are one of many football networks, high school, college, NFL proper, and the Lone Fantasy Football Network here on the Chris Landry Football Podcast Network. We're very happy to be with you. We are jumping into Episode 2 here on the Landry Football Network and Episode 237 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. If you've been with us from the beginning on the TCK pod, we appreciate you coming over to hang out with us. If you are new to the TCK pod from the Landry Football Network, we welcome you. We are bringing you fantasy football every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from six to seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time from now through the season and for the foreseeable future. We're very honored to be here on the network, and uh, you can follow us at our channels down below as you can see. So, without any further ado, Lucas, let's get right into this. Man, we are breaking down some buy or sell. Yesterday we did quarterbacks. Today we're going to do buy or sell. We're going to do the running back section and. Basically, it's a it's a question: buy or sell X situation. You and I are going to decide if we are buying it, which means we agree with it, or we're selling it. We do not agree with it, and we're going to run down the list. We have eight topics once again, and we will run through certain running backs as it pertains to fantasy football. Could be an individual, could be a situation, could be a group of uh, running backs according to ADP. So, Lucas. Welcome yourself in real quick, please, and uh, let us know how you feel about this buy or sell and what did you learn yesterday, maybe, on the quarterback section and what can we expect here on the running backs?
2: Well, hello, everybody. I'm excited to be back for day two, episode two, or episode two, 38, 37. Or 37, <laughs> whatever episode we're on. Uh, we're still crushing it, ready to go here. The running backs, I think today will be a good episode to maybe – show how people can get misconception on players. And to me, running back's the most pivotal position. I think most people would probably agree in fantasy. I kind of think of it a different way in terms of the word pivotal than others might in terms of how you attack them or how you evaluate them. So I think today you'll really see how, um, how we think about the running backs and how you could also pertain that to your thoughts on them. Excellent. Right on, man. Well, without any
1: further ado, let's get into it. Danny, what's up? What's up? What's up? Always appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for popping on the screen. We appreciate the support. Make sure you help and tweet us out. You can find all the content here on the Landry Football Network at LandryFootball.com. You can find our content at TCKPod.com as well as our draft guide. If you do not have one of those, you can go ahead and cop it. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. All over the place. YouTube. We are making it happen anywhere you like to hear your podcasts, either audibly or visually. We're on Twitch here, Monday through Thursday, six to seven Eastern. Lucas, let's get into it. Here we go, man. We have buy or sell. First category, right off the top, dude. Let's start at the let's start at the uh, the, the the top of the pyramid, if you will. Christian McCaffrey, buy or sell? Christian McCaffrey finishes as the RB one overall last year. He blew the competition out of the water. Can he repeat? Last repeat that we saw was Todd Gurley a few years ago, but Christian McCaffrey followed it up and really the consensus number one. I don't know many – I do know one person, but I won't put him on blast uh, because it's a contentious topic. But I don't know many people that can make a significant case that Christian McCaffrey isn't the number one fantasy football running back heading into the season anyway. Lucas, how do you feel about it? Buy or sell? Christian McCaffrey finishes again as the RB1 overall.
2: Yeah, I mean this is a super, super easy buy. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily McCaffrey – in general, related question, I think it's when you're thinking of the RB one that that is the ceiling, right? That is as high as you can go in a fantasy season. So you have to make a bet or make a buy or sell on whose ceiling can actually like reasonably reach the RB one. That's McCaffrey, and that's really about all I can think of outside of that. Obviously, you have Barkley, but he's a fantastic fantasy running back, but he's never shown he can be the McCaffrey role. He never can can uh, do it for a full season. Uh Dalvin Cook is probably who you were going to mention, I think, when you said you didn't want to say it, but he's not going to stay healthy. Kamara, yes, but McCaffrey's a full-time pass catcher and running back. Kamara's not. And then Zeke's the last one, but I think Zeke, his ceiling is his value in terms of you know what you get with him. So that it's an easy buy for me. Uh negative game script, which is gonna help McCaffrey for this team. Yesterday we talked about how some negative game scripts. Um help some hurt this one will help because he's the main focus on the offense tons of vacated production I think sitting right around 90 targets I don't think he's going to see more than I think 140 targets or something that'd be, that'd be tough to to repeat that from last year but it's not like anyone's taking away targets from him uh, lack of continuity we mentioned it yesterday that would hurt players but to me this only helps CMC because they're just going to keep feeding him the ball and he just got paid there's the whole don't pay running backs they do bad after they got beat but CMC is basically a receiver, and he's the only really, uh, I don't want to say reliable, but the only weapon on this team that they know what they're getting every time they give him the ball. So I think this is an easy buy for me.
1: I totally agree with you, man. Chris McCaffrey had 142 targets last year. He had eight games half of the season where he had double-digit targets, which is insane. I mean, that's incredible for a number-one receiver like Julio Jones, New Hopkins, Tay Adams, uh, the list goes on, Michael Thomas, whatever. For a running back t- – <laughs> To have that kind of workload is is insane. Um, I, I too agree. Uh, he scored 182.5 half, half PPR points through the air alone last year. As a receiver, Christian McCaffrey had 182.5 half, half PPR points, which would have been the number 20 wide receiver in fantasy last year ahead of Stephon Diggs. So even if Christian McCaffrey stopped playing football – In for just three quarters of the season, he finished and did not play week 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. He still would have been the number one running back overall by a massive 22 PPR points. It just, if he gets anywhere close to the same workload, it's a no brainer. And I think a lot of times, you know, we talked yesterday about the quarterbacks and uh, Lamar Jackson and how he has to have regression. He has to have regression. I agree. Christian McCaffrey has to have regression, probably, (laughs) but. Again, he's still young. He's still healthy. Uh, the big thing with Todd Gurley is he faded off because he had the, the knees and the arthritis, which we've talked about, and so on. Um, there's no reason. There's no reason that Christian McCaffrey can't have the same workload. And something that kind of goes under the radar in fantasy circles is that a reception is about one and a half times the value, right? That a that a carry has. Also, when you get guys like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, who, of course, we're going to talk about as well, one of the best pass-catching uh, running backs in the league, Saquon Barkley and so on, um, you get out in space. These guys are much more able to evade hard tackles, usually evade tackles, period, because they run out of bounds. Uh, you know, They can kind of dive ahead. Maybe they take on a cornerback versus a big-ass D lineman that outweighs them by 100 pounds or a, a big linebacker running at full speed. So you don't have as many hits. So even though you know Derek Henry is much larger overall than Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry gets bowled through the middle constantly all game long and takes those big hits constantly. Christian McCaffrey's not taking those and he's not taking the same type of workload. So there's no reason to say that his amount of touches can't reciprocate over another year. Whereas you talk about a guy like Zeke who has a huge workload. You talk about Derrick Henry and so on. Eventually, those guys are going to start fading off because you just can't run as much as they want to. Christian McCaffrey, on the other hand, Alvin Kamara, maybe even Saquon, depending on how he remains in the passing game, uh, could have a longevity. And Dalvin Cook, if he stays healthy as well, because they have a lot of their uh, workload with receptions overall. So, this one's a no brainer for me, man. And I think it's, we're going to talk about kind of, you know, sneak peek on the next topic here. But I think there's more of a gap between Christian McCaffrey. And I think Saquon Barkley is pretty much the consensus number two. There's more of a gap between CMC and Saquon from one to two than there is between any of the two through six, seven running backs, right? Like that gap is, is smaller than it is from one to two with Christian McCaffrey on top there. So, you know, Matt Rule is going to have a big time offense. Joe Brady's going to have a big time offense with the Panthers. Um, and Teddy Bridgewater, frankly, is just not going to be a gunslinger. We know that he's been one of the lowest ADP quarterbacks over his career, extremely accurate. And we know that he is uh, going to be checking down quite a bit there in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey as the focal point of the offense. So, you know, we just spent about, you know, we just spent five, six minutes telling people what they know, but I guess that is more of the argument for why Christian McCaffrey should be the number one overall pick. And bas- I've been in like a hundred mock drafts, at least this off season. I don't think there's one single mock draft other than a super flex that Christian McCaffrey has not been the number one o- off the board. So, it's an easy buy for me as well. Let's get into our second topic here. This one is going to be a little bit more fun. We're going to discuss the overall ADPs here, okay, of the running backs, two through six, which the consensus is Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Christian, I'm sorry, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry for two through six, right? Two Saquon, three Zeke, four Kamara, five Cook, six henry now lucas what we're buying or selling here is do you think that's actually first of all is that your rankings is that your order from two to six secondly do you think that's actually going to be the top six with christian mccaffrey of course not in the conversation is that going to be rounding out the top six at the end of the season buy or sell the current adp for the running backs two through six barkley elliott camara cook and henry
2: yeah so the, the easy answer would be sell just again it, it's tough to finish in this order exactly uh if you took high school stats you could you could do the the poly i think polynomial equation whatever the exclamation point at the end uh this is not my rankings though however i'm torn between two and three and i'll get into it but i do have uh, henry above cook and i think i just moved a Lair over cook as well so sell on all, all formats i guess anyway you slice the question it really comes down to when you're, yet again, so we're saying the RB1 is super ahead of the rest, like McCaffrey's in my tier one of running backs, no one else is, then realistically, you're basically ranking a new RB1. If you think no one can can touch CMC, you're just ranking another ceiling. Someone has to finish as the RB2. Normally, that answer's Barkley, right? That's the easy answer. And at first, I thought that was a really easy answer, and then I just needed to smash that, and there was no ifs, ands, or buts. But the more I think about it, I don't, think that's the case i think so barkley last year yes he got hurt yes he had some boom games all at the end of the year when none of the games mattered no team cared. It was against the dolphins and the Bengals, the two teams that wanted a top five pick four quarterback wanted the number one pick i'm not saying you can't count those but we saw last year against the bucks the bears the eagles and the jets uh those are four top 10 rush defense he had less than 10 points the number two pick can't have less than 10 points in any game Ever. if you're trying to yeah, like if you're trying to win, especially, if, I mean, CMC had won against the Bucs, but that's when Cam was hurt and throwing the ball all over. But this happened four times. And it's not like he saw less work in those games and he like switched the focal point of the offense to Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard. Like it is Saquon Barkley's offense. So that's just a red flag there. The O line is bad. Nate Soldier, everyone thinks he's bad, but he leaves. That means someone worse than Nate Soldier is going to be starting. The backup to a terrible offensive lineman is going to be starting. Like That has to mean something as well to move him down. Then that brings in who is the three. And I don't know. I don't know if it's Zeke. I don't know if it's Kamara. But on the screen, this is how I'm going to kind of break through this. You'll be able to see this is a chart that Addison Hayes um, put together. So since 2000, this is the weekly stack percentage numbers, meaning on the left side, for our example, we're going to use Zeke. On the left side, if Dak finishes as a QB1, the left column, the chances of his RB1 Zeke finishing as an RB1 is 42.2% and then so on. The chances of Zeke finishing as an RB2, RB3, the chances of a receiver finishing as a wide receiver one, so on. Basically how I break this down is I think I'm going to kind of lean on this, this, uh, this weekly, the this stack percentages to rather have Kamara and Zeke because I know I'm kind of off Daniel Jones and I know the chances of Drew Brees and Dak finishing as a weekly QB one is much higher than Daniel Jones. So just by the math in general, I think the answer is obviously so. But I think it's I I think Saquon is not the clear two, um, which is kind of weird to say. For I mean, I don't know because this is obviously like hard to explain because of Saquon Barkley. But I, I do think this year by the end of the by the end of the summer I will have uh, Zeke at two, probably Saquon at three, and Zeke's per game stats are legit the same as Saquon Barkley. So I guess I'm just kind of confused maybe why it's such an easy answer at first, because to me, I'd rather have the safe floor with pretty identical consistency and upside as Saquon Barkley week in a week out. I like it, man. And, and uh,
1: obviously not having Saquon at number two is already a hot take uh, here, but um, I got to be honest, man. I know that you and I talk about this all the time, but for fresh listeners, um, as strong as you are about putting Zeke over Saquon Barkley at number two, I would actually make the case that Alvin Kamara would be my number two. Um, so I, I'm i close. Now, with Nate Solder moving on, I mean, I understand that. It's not, um, you know, I mean, he's not prolific anymore, but he's a solid solid uh offensive lineman for a very long time and you're right even if somebody's bad and you're thinking like oh like you know he's not that good anyway why does it matter we well, got to think if he's the starter and he's gone that means that somebody worse than him is going to be taking his place that's never a positive so in my opinion i'm with you man like saquon is a machine and has nothing to do with him there's just so many other mouths to feed there i think the game script is going to be hurting a little bit the giants are going to be behind a lot with that terrible defense. So they're going to be throwing the ball. And now Saquon could get a lot in the pass game, but we'll see what happens there. Um, I would just make the case for Alvin Kamara, which we don't need to get into right now. But I am with you that it's a sell for me pretty easily in this order. And I'll go through my current my current rankings. I have CMC up at the top. I do currently have Saquon Barkley at number two, but I'm very close to having Alvin Kamara at number two. Then it would be Saquon at three. Zeke at four, Dalvin Cook still at five. They're gonna they're gonna work out this this contract issue. He just with the new CBA, he can't sit out when and benefit from it. So he'll come back eventually. I get Dalvin Cook at number five. I've actually got Joe Mixon, then Derrick Henry. So I just don't believe with these rankings in general either. Um, so it's gonna be a sell for me. Uh, Barkley would be number two, but I have Zeke and L El- and, uh, Kamara switched no matter what. And I have Henry further down than number six. Now Lucas really quick. It seems obvious, but the Saquon Barkley, uh, conversation specifically and Alvin Kamara too. Definitely. Um, is it format specific for how you're thinking? So if you're in a, you know, maybe not non PPR cause not many people play non PPR anymore, but, uh, is I say half PPR to full PPR, a guy like Alvin Kamara, 81, you know, receptions in all three of the seasons. He was on pace for a hundred last year benefits greatly clearly from the pass game, but somebody like Zeke or Derek Henry, even Saquon Barkley benefit more in those non PPR and um, half PPR leagues than a guy like Alvin Kamara. So will you change your tone if it's full PPR uh, versus let's say non or half?
2: I think the answer would be no. Obviously, I'd have to look into it more because I think the 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 idea of a running back catches more so they're more value in PPR, I think that is true, but I think you have to look at the overall, um, I don't know, like that'd be like saying maybe James White is more valuable than uh, David Montgomery might be a good example this year. Just because James White's guaranteed the pass catching work and Montgomery's, inefficient but a volume hog so like really what is the differential i think you kind of have to look at like is the player super reliant on catching balls is that the only way they create fantasy points what you could do is you could take the the receiving fantasy points and the rushing fantasy points and find the percentage then Smart. maybe if if it's higher than i would say 50 but i'd probably even wait it like 60 40 if it's 60 percent, then maybe you move them up in the rankings but i think I think it's still Barkley, just because we've seen those high ceiling games that he can put up against bad defenses. And it, we're not saying the, the whole Giants defense or whole Giants schedule is terrible. It's just those first four to five games, but less than ten points against really good defenses. And the ones you listed off yesterday, I think it's the Niners, Bears, Steelers, yep. Eagles. Maybe is who you said, and he basically got shut down on defenses of that caliber last year. And it makes sense; the team's just not good. So I think. Uh, the answer to your question is probably still no but circumstances in terms of, like if you do more research, find the the reliability on those pass catching points.
1: I think by the end of this month, you know, when I get into my final League of Record or TCK uh, drafts that are coming up here pretty soon, I will my final rankings, I would imagine, will probably have Alvin Kamara at number two behind Saquon Barkley in, or I, I'm sorry, behind Christian McCaffrey uh, Alvin Kamara, number two in full PPR, um, in half or non, I'm going to stick with, uh, Saquon probably Kamara at three And half, and then Zeke in non PPR Kamara is probably going to be number, you know, six, seven. Uh, I'll have guys <laughs> like, you know, yeah. uh, uh, even Nick Chubb, I mean, has a, has a chance to break the top six in a, in a non PPR option. So, okay. So buy or sell, the current ADP of the running backs 2-6, through six, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, Cook, and Henry. All right, man, let's dive into number three here. This is a very popular topic nowadays. Of course, we know that Damian Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs has opted out due to the COVID situation here. This is going to continue to happen. We have a lot of situations, man. I know we had a deadline. I get it. but. Some of these players I've been hearing that, I mean, they make plenty of money anyway. All right. Like ungodly amounts of money compared to people like you and I, for them to sit out and sacrifice if they have to, or get fractions of their salary for a season to protect newborns. Some of their wives are pregnant currently. Some of them have newborns at home. Some of them live with elderly, whatever it is. Some of them have respiratory issues themselves, diabetic autoimmune diseases, sickle cell trait, whatever. There's a lot of these players who might just wake up Sunday morning and say, I'm not playing this week. And we have to be able to uh audible on that. One of the biggest situations that's come up in the last week is Damian Williams opting out for the Kansas City Chiefs, which brings rookie Clyde Edwards Hilaire from LSU, now on the Chiefs, into the top eight conversation is where this buyer sell is. But I gotta be honest, man, I've done two or three mock drafts in the last few nights and if he doesn't come off top five, it's almost like a surprise. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sure. lie, especially in full PPR. So maybe we're even taming it down a little bit. But Lucas, buy or sell? Clyde edwards hilaire finishes top eight, top eight, and this is overall or among running backs.
2: Um, overall I mean,
1: as a quarterback. So let's say overall non-quarterbacks. I've.
2: Mm. Buy for the running backs, absolutely. I, I'm going to go – we'll go buy, too, as well for the other one. So I'm tossing back this um, chart on the screen. So I'm not saying thank you to Damian Williams, but I was all over CEH before this happened, and now it's a no-brainer. If we go through this chart again, just keep in mind in the back of your head that Mahomes has finished as a QB1 since starting 73% of the time. 73% of his weeks – on average, obviously it fluctuates. You're basically guaranteeing yourself that the the highest scoring running back on the team, Clyde Edwards Alaire, is finishing as a top twelve running back forty-two percent of the time. Move down to the wide receiver one, Tyree Kill. How many times does he finish as a wide receiver one? I was lazy, I guess, and I didn't pull up the numbers. I probably should have done that to make this argument better. It's probably over fifty percent. He finished as an RB, a wide receiver one. The chances of Clyde Edwards-Alaire hitting as a RB1, 38.3%. Now move down to Travis Kelsey. I also didn't pull up the numbers, but every time he finished as a tight end one, your chances are 39.2% of CEH finishing as an RB1. It's it's such an easy buy for me because for all those reasons, he's a first-round pick. They took him over... 6,000-yard rusher Jonathan Taylor, probably the most athletic running back in DeAndre Swift. And now he's, what, third in touch order on the Super Bowl champions, the team with the best offense in the league. I think it's an easy pick. But that being said, I can't see myself taking him top five yet because I still think – I don't know. It's tough, but I still think that Derrick Henry's a better pick um, because he is a rookie. I could see him getting eased into it. But then I always get back to there's no one else to take touches How? from him. Yeah,
1: why? why would he be eased into it? That's the problem. When Damian Williams was there, that would make sense. They ease him in, and maybe mm-hmm. Damian Williams' fames, you know, he he fades week four and whatever. But like Darwin Thompson, I mean, like what what are we doing here? DeAndre Washington, like no. Nah. Daryl Williams, yeah.
2: No. I and then Leshawn McCoy is going to be the starter for the Bucks, I guess, and Devonte Freeman's going to be taking roles from carries from Miles Sanders. So there's not really any. Running backs left. I guess I don't know. This is. I don't want to say it's bad timing because it kind of is. Because it would have been cool if this would have happened. Like obviously, there's a deadline for opting out. But if this would have happened like the week of the season, and like we already drafted, and I got him in round two, that would have been crazy. But just imagine. Just keep in mind the memories of Kareem Hunt, week one against the Patriots three years ago, two years ago, whatever it was. When he went for like forty points, he went for forty 400%. points, and he he got announced the starter. 4 hours before the game started, 40 points, 40 fantasy points. So just keep that in mind. Absolutely. I'm with you, man. I
1: currently I can't get top 5, but CEH finishing top 8, I'm going to I'm going to buy it, but I have him right at number 8. So it's kind of a I'm right I'm right on the line, but I am going to buy him at number 8. I currently have CEH right at running back 8 right now and over the last 7 years, running backs who have been drafted in the first round which uh, Clyde edwards was the last pick of the first round by the Chiefs. Those running backs have averaged 280 touches in year one. 75% of them have finished as an RB2 or better. So he should be an RB2 automatic with Andy Reid, but probably an RB1. But then you got to think, is he going to be middle of the pack in RB1? I think so. Now, he's a clear RB1, as we just mentioned, for KC. He should see the majority of his touches with Damon Williams out. And as you mentioned, Kareem Hunt was the RB4 overall as a rookie with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2017. And, oh, by the way, he led the league in rushing yards that season. So could Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hypothetically be top five? Sure. For this argument, we're saying top eight. So, yes, we'll both buy it. But could, we, could he be top five? In this offense, man, if he stays healthy with seemingly no competition um, as a rookie, we could certainly we could certainly see it happen. Uh, and again, especially in PPR leagues, because he's been catching the ball so much. And for you old timers out there, uh, Brian Westbrook, who was a fantasy football Hall of Famer for a long time with the Eagles under Andy Reid, right after the draft, Andy Reid basically picked his guy, and he said he reminds him quite a bit of of Brian Westbrook, and even does some of the things Brian Westbrook did a little bit better currently. So a compliment like that does not go – I know it's coaches speak, but things like that do not go under the radar because Mm
0: -hmm. quite literally,
1: you know, 20 years ago, Andy Reid coached the same guy, and he just has a younger, stronger, better, faster version of him, and let's not make a mistake Mm -hmm. of of what the Chiefs want to do. They want to move fast. They want to move often and score a lot of points, and I think uh, CH is going to be a huge part of
2: that. And you have to keep in mind this is the first ever first round pick for Andy Reid as a Chief. They didn't have a first rounder last year. In the year he came in, uh, like he came in like, uh, in whatever free coaching, free agency, whatever the case. And like they said that he wasn't like he he admitted to like this is his first time like making a first round pick. And it 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 takes confidence to take a position non need when you have so many positions of need on your defense and honestly your offensive line especially now that their guards out, like it, it takes confidence to do that. So he's not, he's not going to, he's not going to, um, he's not going to put the fans, uh, I'm trying to think how to say this. He will play Clyde Edwards or whether he's good or not, he will not go down without playing Clyde Edwards or Lair unlimited snaps this year.
1: Absolutely. Totally agree with you. So buy or sell Clyde Edwards or finishes top eight. We are both going to buy that one. All right, man. Last one before a quick commercial break, Buy or sell Joe main. Mixon has nine total touchdowns. He had eight in 2019 Buy or sell. Joe Mixon has nine total touchdowns
2: in 2020. Yeah, this one, I don't know. This one's tough. It's a buy for me just based on the numbers standpoint, but Joe Mixon has this weird, like uh, identity, I think in fantasy is the way to put it, but I'll just go through the numbers. So his touches have gone up every single year. It makes sense. He's, Gone from this kind of no-name rookie to now being the workhorse for the team. He's in a contract year, and he has positive TD regression everywhere inside the red zone. Inside the 20, so the total red zone, 40 rushes, 5 touchdowns. That's it. Inside the 10, 25 rushes, 5 touchdowns. Inside the 5, 16 for 4 touchdowns. It's it's going to go up, like we think, right? Like, it has to. It's this basic regression there. Obviously, it doesn't always happen. And they, were, they had the 7th highest rush rate in the red zone, or inside the 5, sorry, with being ninth in attempts. That last stat is why I hesitate because I just, the problem with Joe Mixon is everyone like, I think he's a pass catching back, thinks he's like Alvin Kamara Light, thinks he's Aaron Jones, and he's way far from that. People, we can't project him more than really what he sees receiving because it would have happened by now. It would have happened last year when the team's wide receiver one was like Alec Erickson for like five weeks and Tyler Boyd for the other half of the season, he would have got his targets last year in a complete dumpster fire with a ton of negative game script. So I struggle to like fully um, enjoy picking Mixon, but I do see where that positive regression can hit. And that goes back to yesterday with Joe Burrow. The team's just not good. That's why I can't guarantee positive regression because who's to say he sees the amount of red zone attempts Giovanni Bernard's still on the team who still gets work. Who's to say that they just know, don't sign him back and just bench him, because they're, they're not bench him, but just stop caring about him because they know not to pay running backs. So, buy based on the regression, but I think we need to stop projecting him for huge seasons or huge workloads when it would have happened by now is, is the way I think I kind of evaluate him.
1: Hmm. It's interesting. I'm going to buy as well. Um, I think he gets over nine total touchdowns. And honestly, I just think the Bengals are going to be so much better this year. This is going to be tough because the COVID thing, rookie quarterback, yada, yada. So it may not happen right away. But I do believe that in the back half of this season this year, when Joe Burrow has eight games under his belt and this team is really flying on all cylinders, I really, really believe they're going to be a force to be weckon with. And they might not win a lot of games because it's still the Bungles and their defense is still terrible. And they still have the Bengal lore of losing games. And they're in a horrible division for them to get started because the Ravens are going to smash on them. The Steelers should smash on them. The Browns could even. Um, so that's going to be tough as far as wins and losses. But as far as production individually and fantasy production, I think Joe Mixon could definitely be that guy. Um He is not Alvin Kamara, but he can catch the ball, and they should use him more often as a pass catcher. He was a great pass catcher at Oklahoma. I don't see why he isn't in the pros, and I think that they might turn that up a little bit this year. He basically had two completely different seasons in 2019. So over weeks one through seven, he was the running back 35 overall with just under nine PPR points a game. But in weeks eight through 17, he was the running back six overall, doubling his points to 18 fantasy points per game. Last year, he was tied for the fifth most carries in the league uh, behind. uh, Oh, excuse me. He was tied with the fifth most carries in the league with 287 with Chris Carson, but the Bengals were 32nd. So last in the league in scoring opportunity and scoring conversion. So, The Bengals should move the ball far more with A.J. Green being healthy for even if it's four to five, six games. that's obviously going to help. I know you make the case about the Jonah Williams thing. I get it, but having a better offensive line up front is going to help. Joe Burrow, even being a rookie quarterback, is going to help. And albeit Andy Dalton is not as terrible as I think many people have been reaming him his whole career, he's a decent – he's like Joe Flacco. He's good enough to be a, a pro quarterback. He's just not amazing. I think Joe Burrow eventually is going to have that flair, though, dude, like what Baker had his rookie year. You know, Baker fell off last year and got two in his own head, and that whole team was a dumpster fire. But Baker came in as a rookie with a chip on his shoulder but also basically playing for his job. And Joe Burrow, first overall pick, I mean, he's been hyped. He's an Ohio kid. He's excited to be with the Bengals in general. He knew that he was on the Bengals playbook for about a month before they actually picked him, and he hand-selected T. Higgins – out of the rest of the wide receiver core in the second round instead of going offensive linemen. So I think that bodes well in general. And so this whole team I think is going to have a huge increase this year. Now, again, wins and losses, I'd be shocked if they go 500. Even 6 and 10 I think is probably more accurate for them. But fantasy production and Joe Mixon being the focal point of this offense to take off that weight and that energy from Joe Burrow, I definitely see being possible. So I'm going to buy – and I think, I think Joe Mixon can get up to – uh Double-digit. He had eight last year, and basically, like I just said, the first half of the season was, was trash. I think he he absolutely uh, should have double-digit touchdowns. So it's a buy for me. Joe Mixon has nine total touchdowns on the season for the Bengals. All right, man, before we dive into our second set of all these, I want to just give a couple quick shout-outs here. Once again, if you're listening to us on the podcast or you're following us on the TCK Pod Networks, come and see us over on Twitch. We're at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. You can find all the Landry Football Network at landryfootball.com. There's high school content, college content, NFL proper content, and of course, us for fantasy. So, anything you're looking for, we have, I mean, 15 different networks, uh, podcasts right now, probably going to be growing as the season goes on. So, so, make sure you check us out. If you're interested in coaching, uh, scouting, administrative perspective, uh, high school football, college, NFL. We have NFL pregame. We have free agency analysis. We have postgame fantasy analysis, the inside scoop on players, teams, and coaches' schemes. Landry Football has everything fantasy football and otherwise related in football. So make sure you check us out there. Again, twitch.tv slash Football. We also have a live chat bar going on here. I know we have a couple people in the chat room, so make sure when you see us on Twitch, we do have a live chat bar going on. Dump into that chat bar and we will get into you. And if your topic is relevant, uh, we'll bring it up here on the screen and and we'll discuss it. So you have questions while we're doing this or want clarification on one of our topics, feel free to reach out. So we love to be interactive here. And, of course, you share this on Twitter to our pages, but also LandryFootball.com. All right, Lucas, let's get back into it, man. Diving back into this one here, buy or sell. Josh Jacobs has 32 receptions on the season. Doesn't seem like a big number here. But he only had 20 in 2019. I feel like every running back in the NFL should have – I mean, there's 16 games. He had just over one – I mean, he played 13 games. All right, fine. He had just about two receptions per game average. These guys are world-class athletes. I don't care if it's Derrick Henry and he doesn't catch the ball. Leonard Fournette had 100 targets last year. We can get these guys the ball in space – let them do their thing. 20 receptions for an athlete like uh, Josh Jacobs is is frankly embarrassing. I think we're setting the bar low.
2: But for you, buy or sell, 32 receptions for Josh Jacobs. So this one's kind of a multi-step uh, problem, I guess, and fantasy that people are kind of lopsided on. So this is a sell for me. He had 20 last year. Okay, yeah, he was a rookie. He eased him in. But he was the most efficient running back in the league last year. Probably, I don't know exactly, probably the best rookie running back in the last 15 years, 20 years. I couldn't, I mean, he was just so efficient with the ball in his hands. Wouldn't they give him the ball more for a team that was not very good trying to win a game? You'd think so, right? So you'd think that the receptions are going to go up this year because they have to, right? He was a rookie year two, the team's going to be better. But is the team actually going to be better? That's the big question. Why, why is this team going to have so much more plays? Because now they bring in Jason Witten, who could go get paid $20 million a football game to announce it from the sideline. Nope, he's going to the Raiders to be the backup tight end, but he's going to play. They didn't sign him to – they have Foster Moreau. They didn't sign him to not take targets. Jalen Richard is back. The guy who kept Josh Jacobs off the field for receiving work is back. They signed him back for a reason. Lynn Bowden comes in. He's going to play running back. He's going to play receiver. He's going to play quarterback. That's more opportunities that Josh Jacobs can't have. I know Devontae Booker and Jeremy Hill are the backups, but they signed him for a reason. Like, they didn't just sign, I get the whole you need insurance for your backups and stuff. But they already have, like, four running backs on the team, and then they go get Devontae Booker and Jeremy Hill. Not to mention, they added their wide right receiver one. They bypassed on Jerry Judy and CeeDee Land to take Henry Ruggs to now not throw the ball to Josh Jacobs. Brian Edwards is going to start. Darren Waller is still there. Tyrell Williams is still there. And I get all these guys aren't going to start. And Jacobs might be higher than them in the order. But unless you're finding a way to make this team run so many more plays, there's not an opportunity for Jacobs to grow. And quite personally, he might go less. I I don't see a world where he scores more than 20 points. And this is going back to, we haven't said it on the Twitch yet, but like you don't draft players at their ceiling. That's how you lose fantasy games then you expect ceiling outcomes. He's not a good fantasy pick. You're banking on a bad offense, a team that can explode in a bad way anytime. A coach that I don't even know how to describe Gruden. A coach that just doesn't care about what happens and will just do whatever he wants. And then now they said they're gonna play Lynn Bowden at quarterback, maybe running back, all these weapons, like I, I don't know where you're figuring finding fantasy value in Jacobs besides him scoring a bunch of touchdowns. And that goes back to, is this team actually good? Did they get better than last year? So, easy sell. F- don't – I don't know. Don't take Jacobs because, in reality, I had him in a couple of these last year and I was relying on 25 carries to get me 11 points. And that's not what you want. Don't draft players at their ceiling.
1: He played 13 games last year. And, again, you are you are banking on that, on that role. You mentioned all the new weapons and – I firmly believe that Derek Carr will get his job passed up by with Marcus Mariota. Now, when Marcus Mariota comes in, he is a multi-threat quarterback and we know that he's going to be running the ball even more, right? And he doesn't necessarily dump down. He likes to throw it deep and run the ball (laughs) a little bit more of a Russell Wilson approach uh, than Derek Carr, who likes to dump the ball down and have that low a uh, low a dot there. So I hear you. Again, though, I mean, he would have paced out to 33 last year. Okay. So if we're, if we're setting targets
2: or catches, 33 receptions last year. He had 20 and 13. He had, I believe he had 27. Can you vet that for that us? Was, it was 20, 27 targets in 13 games. Ah, 27 targets. Okay. My,
1: my, my uh, mistake there. All right. So high 20s. Fine. We'll give him that. So we're talking 32 receptions. He would have had. I'm going to do quick math. I don't know, 27 last year. So he's five off of it already. He didn't play three games. So over three games, he gets five receptions. We just have to believe that that would be the case. That would be 32. Also, I'm with you. I don't think the Raiders are going to be a juggernaut by any means. But look at that division, dude. Your Broncos drafted to be a track meet. The the Chiefs are the Chiefs. The Chargers may not be incredible on offense. They have a great defense, but they still have some uh, very talented offensive players. And when my boy, Justin Herbert gets a chance, he'll be chucking it all over the yard. There's gonna be some shootouts in the AFC West. And I don't think that the, the Raiders can have a chance or a choice, but to, to try to keep up and pounding the rock with Josh Jacobs 30 times. Is only going to work for the first half. And then when they're down by two touchdowns, like they are every single week, because all those teams are going to outpace them eventually, Josh Jacobs is either going to be the receiver or they're going to go to somebody else. I don't think they go to somebody else right away because he's just so talented with the ball in his hand. So I do think he gets 32 receptions. Here's this is the argument Does he get 32 receptions or not? I think he does. I think he could even get closer to 40 plus. Is he a fantasy asset? Am I targeting him in fantasy? I'm not because of his draft capital. He's back of the first round right now, early second round. I'm not into that. Am I drafting him? No. Do I buy that he could get 32 receptions? I do.
2: I, I mean, he had 20 last year. Like so, I don't as, a, know. As, a, as a rookie with another pass-catching running back
1: in DeAndre Washington, who is now in Kansas City. Lynn Bowden is playing quarterback or kick returner or D end or whatever the hell he's going to do. Rashard is there. I understand. But again, now, and and I know that John Gruden is a more realistic version of Pete Carroll in fantasy circles of like always optimistic and like, I love this guy, you know, like whatever. But the reality is they have been talking of Josh Jacobs big time this season. Right. And again, I understand it's coaching speak at some level, but it also matters. Like, that's their dude, right? They drafted him early. He's an Alabama running back. The dude's a beast. I'm not going to take away his talent. I mean, he's an animal when he has the ball. 32 receptions to me would be silly if he doesn't If he doesn't get – now, yeah. if he just has terrible hands and, and can't catch the ball and his percentage is horrible and he doesn't get 32, that's fine. But to have – what are we looking at here? 40, 45 targets? It's a little steep. But, man, I just don't see why they wouldn't do that.
2: Yeah, the only problem is they've been bulking him up in terms of he's a three down guy prior to the draft. And then they go out, draft two receivers, draft Lynn Bowden, sign Jeremy Hill, sign back Jalen Richard, sign Devontae Booker. I guess like the problem I have with it, yes, they could easily be hiding him and we're easing him in. But there's a difference between 200 plus rushing attempts versus 200 plus touches or like there's a difference between miles sanders and josh Jacobs. maybe miles sanders is actually getting eased in we'll talk about him next i i don't know it's because this team is i don't know where they go from 62 plays up like i don't know where you find that more plays ran because he had 20 receptions when the wide receiver one was hunter renfro and half of tyrell williams now you're adding in all these guys it was the same problem with the browns last year there was no way that odell could get his While Landry got his, while Nick Chubb got his, while Kareem Hunt got his, while David Njoku got his, like it's just just not a way to do that. So unless this team gets really better, like so much better, for Jacobs to get to that, someone else is going to have to lose that. And I don't think it's going to be the tight end that is paid. Jason Witten's on a pretty hefty contract for a thirty-eight year old, and all these first round or this first round pick, Henry Rugg. So it's it's just tough, I guess, to find it. But I. I guess I could be wrong uh, in general, but I just well, don't want a Raiders running back on my team. <laughs> team, regardless. I, 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 guess. I don't either. I don't either. But again, I want to be. I want to be careful of how we approach these
1: topics on these on these shows. Mm-hmm. So the the topic is not: Are we buying Josh Jacobs as who we want as our RB one, uh, or get him as our RB two on the turn in fantasy drafts? Because his draft capital right now is ridiculous. You and I agree on that. That's a different topic. Will he get thirty two receptions? He had twenty last year on twenty seven targets. Let's just say let's be super optimistic and give him 40 targets. That's almost doubling what he had last year. I think that's reasonable, personally. He's a starting running back. He's a great running back, in my opinion, talent wise. The offense is not going to be that good, but game script wise, they're going to be half to chuck in the ball. And while Derek Carr is in there, he's going to be checking it down. I just think that you know you mentioned all these rookie receivers. Fine, I like uh, I like Brian Edwards actually out of South Carolina. I like Henry Ruggs a lot. I'm okay with Hunter Renfro. Love me some Darren Waller, not a Taro tar Williams, whatever. It's the offense is should, should it's the Raiders. We never know. The offense should run through Josh Jacobs. Now literally running the ball or dump off screens and whatever. And I just can't see a reason. 32 receptions is two per game over an entire season. If he plays 16, I don't understand how he doesn't get two catches a game. I just don't. I mean, I, That would blow my mind. So I I hear you. I hear you, and I agree with 90% of your take, and I'm not touching Josh Jacobs, and I don't believe in the Raiders and his offense could be a train wreck once again. But the question is 32 receptions. I'm going to buy it. Let's move on here. Another running back here, Miles Sanders, buy or sell. Miles Sanders' top eight. Now, this is buy or sell. Miles Sanders' top eight running back. This is big man. You and I both still believe, I know we're getting late. We only have a month until the season starts and we're running out of free agent running backs, but there's still one more out there that we do believe could land. We think will land. There's a few of our, you know, favorite running backs in the league who are just collecting dust on benches. Gio Bernard is one of them. Royce Freeman is another one out there. One of the Niner running backs. They have like seven running backs all over again. There's a lot of options here to take away over in Philadelphia, do you think it's going to happen? That's not really the question per se, but I think it goes into this discussion for me. Buy or sell Miles Sanders top eight running back
2: overall? It's It's got to be a sell, I guess. And on the screen are splits for Miles Sanders last year and games without Jordan Howard. I know Jordan Howard's not there, but think of Jordan Howard as another running back in this committee. As you can see on the screen, if you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, if you're on the podcast – Basically, with another running back there, his rushing attempts were basically cut in half. Yards were cut in half. Yards per carry went up. Obviously, just less work, going to be more efficient. Receiving yards went up, which is a good thing, but his receptions went down. So what does this mean exactly? And I don't think it's a knock on Sanders. He's a really good football player. I can see him being this good fantasy player. But it's just that coaching aspect of Doug Peterson's never had a workhorse. And I get everyone's like, this could be the year. But I am wow. big on math and probabilities. And sure, if this is the year where you pick Miles Sanders in the first round, cool. You can have him for RB8 value right where you drafted him. So really, in reality, you really didn't even get that good of a pick as to what you think you got. The mm-hmm. uh, they're Like what, four weeks till the season starts? I get they don't have a running back yet. I'll probably have to move him up to like RB9, 10 if they don't have anyone else. But they mentioned going for Raheem Mostert all offseason. They offered Devontae Freeman. They were in talks with Shady. They were in talks with Carlos Hyde. They offered Carlos Hyde. So he's not he's not a workhorse. Like it's it's it is it's not there unless I'm proven wrong. Boston Scott's still there. He saw lots of work in the playoffs. The he playoffs. Saw it too. <laughs> yeah. So it's just I'm not saying Sanders is a bad pick because I don't think he needs to be a workhorse. I think he's basically the next Alvin Kamara in the sense that he's such a good football player that you don't need to keep him on the field a lot to get the outcome you want. The top eight, I just can't do it. That would mean he'd have to outproduce in a group, CMC, Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, Derrick Henry. There's no way – I'm going to say there's no way he finishes higher than CEH. And then you throw in guys like Nick Chubb who I think is in for a big bounce back. I don't think I said Dalvin Cook, Kenyon Drake. He could literally. Kenyon Drake's Miles Sanders with just as much que- just as much question marks, but a higher ceiling, I think. Austin Eckler, who was I the
1: think RB off, off overall, too.
2: Yeah, pretty close, I think. And then Austin Eckler, who was like what the RB four last year or something like that. So I think it's just you're better off taking in this tier of Drake, Sanders, Eckler, Chubb, Jacobs. You're better off fading and just taking the last possible one because most of the time you're getting them in round two on the turn allowing you to take wide receiver or say you like Chubb Eckler or whatever the case may be on the turn I just think top 8 is pretty hefty because I can't say he's a workhorse I can't project him to be a workhorse until I see it right I just I'm not going to make a projection on something that physically has never happened before under Doug Peterson and I could be wrong I'll admit that I could be wrong but I just I can't buy into it I'm
1: I'm with you man I'm going to sell top eight. I'm going to sell top 10. If they don't bring in a veteran top 10, I think is a gimme just because of the workload and that offense. And we saw what even Darren Sproles was able to do over the years. Uh, Guys like Ryan Matthews, LaShawn McCoy, obviously is a long time ago, but even his second stint there, I there's opportunity for sure. Um, I am concerned though, that they are going to bring somebody in still. I'm not drafting miles Sanders anywhere. And this is like the guy and Josh Jacobs, I guess, too, a little bit, that I'm just not taking anywhere, period. Like, almost regardless of value, I'm not picking these guys because I just don't believe in them overall because of the situation. If they both end up, you know, uh, be sent out and doing their thing, then I'll eat it, but I just don't see it happening this year. Sanders ran for 818 yards on 179 carries, hauled in 50 receptions on 509 yards with six touchdowns last year across nine games. He did not get full workload until jo- uh, Jordan Howard went down halfway through the season. So that all leads me to believe he will be the workhorse. Lucas, you already just broke down why we don't think that will happen. So I'll spell that. He's expected to have maybe you know 12 to 15 carries, maybe five receptions a game. Good workload, but not 100% sure that all that's going to happen if they bring in anybody. And even if they don't bring somebody in, Boston Scott is there. And Lucas, I think you made a great point. You know, I rewatched the uh, Seattle and Philadelphia playoff game. Boston Scott, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Miles Sanders had some great runs in that game. Boston Scott, though, had some great receptions. They were using them on the goal line. I mean, this dude is like half the size of most running backs in the league, and they were using him on the goal line. They're using him for flare passes. You know what I'm saying? Like, with Miles Sanders not able to take a full workload? Like, was he not in conditioning? Was he injured? Who knows? I'm concerned about it, so I'm with you, man. I am also uh, going to sell top eight, top 10, top 12, sure. Uh, I just don't see it happening, but if they don't bring anybody in and they ride him as a true workhorse, the talent is there for sure. I mean, he was Saquon's backup at Penn State and and almost Saquon all over again. Dude's a beast. I I love the player, Miles Sanders. The situation right now gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Also, something to note, and this is, again, going to be a thing. I'm not going to dive into COVID big time right now. You know, we got 10 minutes left in the program. I don't want to digress on that too much, but I will bring this up. Doug Peterson just, you know, contracted uh coronavirus. You know, he tested positive for coronavirus. So he now is going to be isolated. So, you know, they're gonna be uh, you know, bringing in Deuce Staley, longtime Eagle running back, but he's the running backs coach. He is now the um Head coach is that going to help Miles Sanders? Probably, but we'll see if he's he's the guy coming coming the end of the day. So there's just so many question marks in Philadelphia, man. I don't believe in their whole thing. And the best thing that could happen for Miles Sanders is that the Eagles are the Eagles, and all their receivers get hurt, and Miles Sanders is the only option outside of the tight ends, which might happen anyway. He might be top three. We'll see. But I will sell two more. Let's get into it. Buy or sell Kareem Hunt twenty four. Buy or sell Kareem Hunt top twenty. Or, Lucas, give it to me.
2: Yeah, this one is pretty pretty easy uh, buy for me. He was, uh, if you took his points per game, don't know exactly what it was, extracted it out to playing a full season without the suspension. He would have been exactly RB24 in PPR. People, there's been like takes that he's a better pick than Chubb because he's going to see more red zone work and Chubb's not going to see all this positive regression in the red zone. But my thinking is, They held on to Hunt through a suspension. They gave him decent enough money. They would have given him red zone work. So I'm not expecting a huge red zone share for him. I'm just expecting the very beneficial, uh, very plus EV passing situations that he had last year. He's coming in with Kevin Stavansky, who, who knows how to do that with his running back. So I don't, he had a little over 10 touches per game, maybe give him 11, but I think he's right around. To me, he's a flex spot. He's a flex spot that you plug in every week and don't have to worry about him. I had him in lots of leagues last year. He got me my nine ten points, easy enough. And then you add on to the top that he's the most valuable handcuff in the league. Personally, I think to Nick Chubb, if Nick Chubb were to go down, I mean, you don't even have to like he would be top five. He'd probably be top three, honestly, because they don't have a backup. And this team is shifting to a heavier run attack overall and in the red zone. That just means more volume in the rushing game. So I think this is an easy smash. Um, per, it's weird to say, but he probably has one of the He probably has a top five floor in terms of where you're drafting him to what to expect in fantasy for the running backs.
1: Love it. I'm also going to buy – I'm going to take a little bit of the uh, comparison to Dalvin Cook last year in Minnesota and, of course, new head coach Kevin Stefanski with the Browns. In 2019, the Minnesota Vikings were eighth in the NFL with 126 targets to the running back, okay? So not carries. This is targets to the running back. The Vikings last year under Stefanski were eighth, in the nfl with 126 targets to the running back position dalvin cook had 63 which was 12th overall then they had cj ham and amir abdullah ended up having targets as well meanwhile kareem hunt was sixth in running back targets from the time that he joined the browns in week 10 he had 44 targets behind only christian mccaffrey who had 90 alvin Kamara, tariq cohen leonard fournette and austin eckler if hunt paces out to 88 targets over a whole season which is insane which is what he was on pace for last year 88 targets that's going to be a major boost obviously to his value and hurt Nick Chubb although I think Nick Chubb will be just fine only six backs had more than 88 targets in 2018 four of them were top 10 and the other two Kareem uh excuse me um Tariq Cohen and James White are strictly pass catchers so the other ones would be Christian McCaffrey obviously uh Austin Eckler Leonard Fournette and Alvin Kamara. We know what how those guys finished up all in the top seven. So if he gets the actual work in the pass game, as much as we just said that was going to hurt Josh Jacobs because he's not getting the work in the pass game, if Kareem Hunt is strictly the pass catcher for the Browns and they actually give him the work like they were giving Dalvin Cook and that he got last year already with the Browns, he could be a top four, t- top 24 running back as a pass catcher, <laughs> let alone any carries. We all know about, well, maybe we don't know about, but our buddy Dwayne, uh, Lynn, who's going to be on the podcast eventually here, he did a great breakdown on our previous podcast on the TCK side that was breaking down Nick Chubb's inefficiency on the goal line. If he can't get it done, Kareem Hunt might be able to get it done. Maybe they give him a couple more squeeze touchdowns. That's going to boost his value as well again. I mean, it. I have been warming up to Kareem Hunt this season because I was just not buying it. I was kind of like Nick Chubb or bust. Safanski's going to roll one guy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Even when Dalvin Cook was healthy, uh, Alexander Madison for the Vikings was getting work as well. So Kareem Hunt clearly is already uh, a prolific running back, as we've seen a couple of years ago as a rookie. It should happen. So that this is an easy buy for me. Kareem Hunt, top 24. Last one, brother. Let's get into it. I know this is a big one for you. I'll let you take the reins on this. Buy or sell, Zach Moss outscores Devin Singletary. We're talking about the Buffalo Bills here. Buy or sell? Zach Moss outscores
2: in fantasy Devin Singletary. This is this is bold, but I I am buying this completely on a real football standpoint and not a, a fantasy. Obviously, it's a fantasy podcast, but the methodology count like would be a real football methodology that comes with it. Uh, so to start off here, I'm pulling up my projections real quick. Uh, maybe maybe my projections have them at. 181 to Devin Singletary and 146 to Zach Moss. So obviously you're going to be like, well, you said bye, but that goes to show how close these guys are, just in terms of stat line projections based on what I'm projecting their workload to be. Remember last year in the playoffs when Josh Allen ran into the red zone, couldn't get in. Then what did they have to do, they put in Taiwan Jones on the goal line <laughs> to score a touchdown in the playoff. The Bills' first playoff game, and who knows? I mean, actually, not that long, because they were there like four years ago with Tyrod against the Chargers. But like it's the Bills. Come on, we don't we think of the Bills as, as the, the four falls of Buffalo or whatever. They can't win the Super Bowl. They're in the playoffs against one of the worst defenses in the league. They put in Taiwan Jones in the red zone. I get Devin Singletary was a rookie, but he was the starting running back. There was no other running back on this roster. Like Frank Gore was done by then. They just he was kind of banged up, just kind of sat it out. Singletary was the only guy they brought into the playoffs to not give him red zone work. Insert Zach Moss, probably uh, in terms of overall production efficiency and just a college career, probably the second best out of this class last year behind Jonathan Taylor. He can do everything. And why I say outscores is because of methodology of this is the bills. If they were happy to put in Taiwan Jones in the playoffs, Zach Moss will gain that goal line production right away. But I'm thinking more if Zach Moss burns off one or two long runs and Singletary, since he's five foot eight, no like no offense to him, like he's just a small dude, can't break off these runs down the middle of the in the middle of the O line. They're just gonna ride Zach Moss because it's the Bills. They don't care who runs the ball, they just wanna win football games. Especially now because Tom Brady's not in the division. They have the opening to go win the division the first time and I think since I've been alive, not gonna lie, they will they will they will take whatever it takes to win the game. And if Zach Moss behind a really good offensive line with a really good coach with a really good offense, really good team, burst one off, it's game over. Singletary is going to be half of Alvin Kamara in terms of a role on this team. I'm with you,
1: man. We got to get out of here. We have about one minute. I'm going to make it very, very quick. I'm going to also buy, and it comes down to this, Devin Singletary last year with Frank Gore. Frank Gore at 36, not Zach Moss, fresh rookie, was RB 32 and 27 in PPR fantasy points per game already. I don't see Zach Moss having too much trouble getting past that. Also, the uh, the Bills coaching staff favors larger running backs. We saw last year Frank Gore had four opportunities on the goal line that he missed, and Josh Allen ended up scoring. I think Zach Moss is able to convert those now moving forward, so I totally agree with you. All right, we are going to get out of here. That wraps up the Buy or Sell running back edition tomorrow. Join us again right here on twitch.tv slash Football. We are the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. For Lucas Kaser, I am your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here.